Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kairos Cafe and Cantina Hotline. The Kairos now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7. On the Horn. here on the sports complex here on the horn going to talk some college football playoff rankings we'll get a little nba talk and more of your text messages and also some interview earlier today with mike craven all that coming up on the show college football playoff rankings are in through team seven they have not announced the top six but texas remains at seven alabama at eight ohio state still above all of them not surprising but disappointing now you have to now hope that the committee is going to take a big 12 championship and put them above. We've also not seen where Ohio State is. I'm assuming they're going to be top four still because I can't stand Ohio State and how much preferential treatment they get for being in a really, really bad conference. The rest of that conference is garbage, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm just I'm biased towards the Big 12 right now. I think the SEC is a really good conference. I think the, the, the Big 12 has at least some good teams. We did see Oklahoma State come in at 18. That's who Texas will be playing. Oklahoma, the one team that beat you, is at number 12. So we got those numbers in as well, but they have not released the top six. But Texas staying at number seven in your college football playoff, which means Ohio State is still ranked above you. It makes some sense because they did lose to either number two or number one team in the country in Michigan. Uh, however, it's disappointing because we know that Notre Dame game, uh, Notre Dame is ranked number 17. Uh, they beat Penn State, who is now ranked number 10. Ohio State is coming in at number 6. So you you are able to jump Ohio State now. If I think if you win the game, you put them at 6, it does give you a, a possible way to jump them. It does make it a little bit harder to jump the Pac-12, but we will see how that pans out as well because if, if uh, Washington beats Oregon in this game, then Oregon will then drop by behind because they're a two-loss team. Texas can jump up there. You need a Florida State win and a Washington win, and Texas can still get in. Our Florida State loss and a Washington win, and Texas can jump into that fourth spot. Uh, that's a very possible scenario. You beat Oklahoma State. All of those things happen. Uh, Georgia beats Alabama. That is still a scenario uh, with no surprise. Oregon's coming in at five in the college football playoff ranking. Uh, no huge surprise on any of that, right? So 
If we look at it that way, Texas still has a path that's pretty straightforward there. Uh, you figure even if Washington were to lose to, Oklahoma, uh, to Oregon, Oregon style points, they don't really like Washington a ton, that Washington would drop behind Texas too. You just have to really know, now that you know that you're still behind Ohio State, you are going to have to put the effort forth. And, and two touchdowns is a minimum win against Oklahoma State uh, to get ahead. We know that uh, several years back, Ohio State actually jumped TCU who had a bye week, was not in the college football, uh, not in the Big 12 championship, and they jump ahead. Uh, number four, Florida State, in the college football playoff rankings, as they're releasing them right now. But we know that Ohio State jumped TCU to get back into the playoffs after losing to Michigan a few years ago. So this is a it's a possibility that uh, Texas can still get into there. Your easiest path right now is a Florida State loss to Louisville, uh, who didn't look great this last week. And Florida State still looked okay against Florida. Uh, that's your probably your easiest path to get to the college football playoff. And then a, a Washington win over Oregon. But that could flip-flop. You could get in there, but you have to handle your business if you're Texas. Washington coming in at number three. So now all we need to know is if Michigan jumped to number one with their win or if they still have Georgia ranked at number one, who is, I believe, 28-29 straight wins now. Just a crazy uh, amount of wins in your two-time defending champions. Uh, we will see who that is in just a moment. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. I want to get to all of your texts before I get into a little NBA talk as well. Michigan is coming in at number two, which means Georgia stays at number one. As much as people don't like Michigan, this is a pretty decent sign for Texas that the Big Ten is not going to favor may not have the favorable match that Georgia is still in there. So we'll see. But that is your probably your easiest path. If you're Texas, there is some other ways it can work out. Uh, but Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Washington wins, Florida State loses, and you have a path to get up into that from seven all the way to four. That path is cleared because Oregon would then lose, and you could possibly jump in Ohio State uh, at six. And Florida State would drop out as well with a loss to a Louisville team who lost again last week. So that's your path. That's your path. We know it now. I was hoping that Texas may jump up to six. Did not happen. They're still behind Ohio State. I get it. Not a huge fan of it just because I think Texas has played more better teams. I don't really have the love for Notre Dame that they have. Uh, and They're both very close wins over uh, Notre Dame and uh, Penn State. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, back on the text line. WOPI parts guy says my MVP for the season is Jonathan Brooks. He was on my Heisman list in my big 12 prediction is UT 38, Oklahoma state 21. That would get you close. That's a three touchdown win. And uh, that would get you a little bit closer to that college football playoff. Uh, man, Bo texts in 45 to 14 Texas over OSU sweat is the MVP uh, for the season and Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU, which is what the rankings are right now. Most valuable player is not the same as the best player. Sweat was the best player. Jay Witt was the most valuable player. I love, I love that you are still going to bring in the Jay Witt. I, I get Jay Witt is very valuable. He is. I think Tavondre Sweat would be more valuable if what this defensive line has done. I love what, Tom, what, what Jay Witt has done. I'm a Jay Witt supporter. Believe me, I'm a fan. But I, I may not go with Jay Witt as my MVP. But I love Jay Witt. I think he's great. He's definitely on the list of some of the, one of the more important players in the Sark rebuild and bringing Texas to where they're at right now. He's definitely a huge part of that. And uh, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Texas 
uh, is the list of your top four there. Uh, Texas will not play Alabama in the 2024 season unless possibly in the big uh, in the SEC championship game. They're going to play Georgia next year and not Alabama. Uh, Oklahoma gets Alabama next season. They do play Georgia and they do play Michigan, but they I guess I don't know how the SEC championships game is going to work out next year, but I guess they could play them there if it is just the two best teams. You could see them and they could play all three of those teams next season. I'll give you that. Right guy from New Mexico says MVP for the season will be a tie between Set Sweat and Jonathan Brooks, but I will say for the most improved player, I have to go with my boy Taff. Yeah, Michael Taff has had a great season. You know, he's he's had a couple things where I think he was put in situations and teams were able to attack him. They found better ways throughout the season to put their guys in situations where they are winning the battles more than they are losing them. Uh, I'll give PK and all the defensive coaches a lot of credit that they've kind of found ways to use guys in their proper settings, and I think they are rotating them more just based on, you know, just on a rotation than uh, necessarily putting them in for situation-based, and it seems like later in the season they've got them going a lot better. But, yeah, Michael Taft, to go from a walk-on to a scholarship player, to help him get Arch Manning, to be the guy to make a bunch of big plays, gets a punt block in the Texas Tech game, uh, really, really great. Uh, R-Dub, it is uh, USN again, uh, the ADH Project, 80, the number 80, and then an H Project. Uh, his name is 80, A-D-Y Hernandez, but uh, 80H is what the name of the band is who does the intro music uh, that you can go see live right now uh, playing around town. You can go check them out. Scarlet, my MVP, this team has so many strengths, so much talent everywhere, so many contributors, but I've got to go with Quinn. I don't think it made it, they make it this far without steady QB play. I like that. I like a little... Uh, change of pace and Quinn Ewers you know he hasn't had the best season he missed some games with injury we saw how important he was uh in the game where Malik Murphy made a couple big mistakes and you know he's young he's gonna do that uh I'm not holding it against Malik Murphy in any sense but uh that was the K-State game just let him right back in the door uh that they were able to come back and get into fighting that in that game where they may not have been able to if Quinn was on the field we don't know we don't know uh let's see we got uh from Chief Engineer, he's got Georgia is number one. Uh, Michigan is number two. Washington is number three. Played a little flat towards the end of the year. Another tough match for Texas. Number four, Florida State. Most wins against bowl-eligible teams with the loss of QBMA. Tough. Number five, Oregon. Watched a few games. Another tough match for Texas. Number six, Texas, along with Oregon. Best one-loss team. Coin flip on those two. Texas got the D. Oregon got the offense. Funnily, uh, or, uh, poorly enough, Ohio State is number six, Chief Engineer. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Texas is a better team than Ohio State is. I've been on this all season. I know and Ohio State people will probably hate me now. Uh, but I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of this team. I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Day. I'm not a, a fan of my cord. I just don't think they have the team this season. I love Their wide receivers are amazing. Marvin Harrison Jr. is amazing. And they are a good team. They're a good team. I just, you know... I get you scheduled Notre Dame too, and you didn't know they were going to be having an off year. But if they didn't have an off year, you lose. If they weren't playing, if they weren't not that good, you would have lost that game. The only reason you won the game is because they put twelve men on the field. So you should have another loss. That's the reason I don't like Ohio State is because they should have another loss there. And then claiming Penn State's great because they beat up on a bunch of nobodies. And then whoever they, you know, Michigan will go kill Iowa because Iowa can't play offense. They're literally told that they have a nepo baby. Uh, offensive coordinator that can't do anything and that's your third best team or your fourth best team in your conference is a guy who they're like oh well, we don't have an offense we don't we don't we have to fire offensive coordinator but we're not going to fire him to the end of the year you want to tell me that's a real conference that's really great michigan's really michigan's great this year ohio state's good this year penn state's okay 
and you beat an okay Notre Dame. I just don't feel it for them. I think Texas played more tough teams, and they played some easier teams, and some teams they should have blown out for sure. I can agree with that 100%. Uh, we also get from Chief Engineer, uh, Quinn for MVP, stats, starts and ends with QB. We should not have this record without him. He made great strides this year. Next would be Sweat. Hard choice, I'd say co-MVPs. Yeah, I, I think, and I think Jay Brooks is on that list as well uh, for what he did carrying this team when Sark just wanted to run the football. He did a ton there. Uh, a lot of good stuff here. Arch ain't going anywhere, people, says Chief Engineer. Uh, why do kids transfer NIL and playing time to get noticed by the NFL? He doesn't need the money, and like a lot of other kids, he could have never touched football again, set for life. Uh, going to the SEC is eventually going to be playing against the best. No better stage to show your gifts. Texas QBs don't go through full seasons anymore. Somebody who gets hurt, he'll have a few shots next year and probably start year three, if not sooner. Murphy may transfer, but I doubt it. He got game and is one injury away from having that shot on the stage. I do think Murphy transfers if, if Quinn comes back. Uh, that's just personal, but I don't know Quinn. I don't know Malik Murphy, so he may not. I, I'm not, you know. I'm not having conversations with them, so I can't tell you. Good stuff there from a man, Chief Engineer. Uh, FSU may be down to third QB. Go Louisville. Undefeated's win in Louisville, Texas. Hook them is what we got there. I like that. Get back. And, yeah, if, if we're uh, Texas fans are going to be rooting very hard for Louisville this weekend. The hardest way Texas fans have ever rooted for Louisville, for sure. For sure. We got to go in there. Uh, also, uh, Coach Rodney from Rosebud Lot. Uh, We're going to be in studio. Aaron Hogan will be down in Arlington on Saturday. He's going to be down there on Friday afternoon doing the show, bringing on some special guests, and he'll be down there Saturday too. So uh, I, I don't I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, we'll be running ads, and Aaron Hogan will be talking about it. But Aaron Hogan will be down in Arlington doing the pregame show from Arlington as well. I'll be back here in the studio. I will not be driving down there, but I but it, we will have a guy down there. Uh, y'all say Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Uh, MVP kicking and special teams are not blowing games this year. Very good. Blind Longhorn fans says without Marvin Harrison Jr., how good would an Ohio State really be? I don't think they'd be as good as what they're saying. I don't think they would be as much as good at all. I have to say that. Uh, WPI parts guy says been having conversations all day long with a lot of ags, not worried about Elka would have hated to see trailer going to college station. I look, they'll, they'll be better and they'll, they'll keep fighting. I, I, you know, it depends. Is he going to be able to coach with money? We will see. We will have to see with uh, Elko going to, uh, Texas A&M season MVP is Tavondre sweats, 10 pound change from Mike in Omaha. Uh, is there any chance in Bay Bames? Uh, bans Michigan for making the playoffs with all the controversy surrounding them. If they did, Ohio State gets in. That The reality is Big Ten's getting one of their teams in. They just are. They have too much power. They're going to get one team in. Ohio State will complain that they lost to a team that was cheating, even though they clearly weren't cheating when they played Ohio State. They'll complain. They will get in. So uh, a Big Ten team's getting in. I, I, you know, I don't think they should be suspended because we still don't even know what they really got out of it. Uh, I don't know if there was any. There, there was, st- you know, we got a three-game suspension. If you want to suspend more, if you want to do stuff after the season, that's fine. I don't think you should, you know, knee-jerk reaction, kick him out just because we want him kicked out. Uh, I don't know if that would go with that, but who knows? Who knows what the NCAA will do? They are a not a great organization. Not a great organization. Uh, before we go to break, I do want to mention tonight, Rockets and Mavericks are playing. Uh, this is a game for the end-season tournament. The Rockets have been doing okay. Mavericks are three-and-a-half-point favorites. The problem is the game is at Dallas. 
Rockets are allowing 98 uh, points a game at home, playing really good defense at home. They are 0-4 on the road, and they have allowed 113 points a game on the road. The defense is not traveling with the Rockets right now. That intensity and defense, we'll see if they're being able to bring it uh, against a Luka Doncic, who's starting 30.5 points per game. And Grant Williams, his last 10 games, the three-point percentage is dropping. It's dropping, but at home, he's still shooting 55% from three. So if Grant Williams shoots three like that, plays good defense, and we know Luka can go out there, Kyrie can play really well, uh, we know uh, Derek Lively is a game-time decision for that as well. But a big Texas matchup of the two better teams in Texas right now because the Spurs are skidding hard, not playing very well. Uh, we'll see if they change it. they got a break from Sunday to Thursday. Maybe they'll try and do something in between there. I do not know. But uh, Rockets and Mavericks tonight at 730 will be a good matchup to see how Texas is doing in the NBA. So check that out. All right. We're going to take a break. Text line still open, 512-447-3776. We'll come back. I want to play this interview with Mike Craven. We'll talk some more about the college football playoff and keep rolling along here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Sports Complex. Afternoons 5 to 7. Hell yeah! On the horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Tuesday afternoon. Playing Jimi Hendrix music all week because Monday would have been his birthday. So why not play some Jimmy for you all week long? Cranking up some manic depression for you. Always got to love listening to some Jimi Hendrix. It's a good excuse for me to go back and listen to some Jimi Hendrix. And uh, I was enjoying it, so I thought I'd share it with you guys all week long. Uh, text line still open, 512-447-3776. I'm going to play this interview uh, from Mike Craven on Hook 'em Up this morning. Really good stuff talking about all uh, going around, talking about a bunch of college different football from Dave Campbell's uh, sports, a senior editor. Uh, WPI Parts Guy did say, did Wimby Mania die out? Spurs kind of regressing. Uh, yeah, look, the team started to figure them out. They don't shoot three per- threes as well as they used to. And, you know, teams are playing Wimby hard. He's still putting up some decent numbers, but putting up a lot of shots. And there's not a ton of other real like rotation guys on a playoff team on that team. They're going to need to get some more talent on that team. We will see if they try and make a move at the, before the trade deadline, if they do go after somebody to try and get a little bit better this year, or if they continue to just kind of wait it out and, and it's a, you know, multi-year build. We don't know what they're going to do. Wimby is still playing well, but that is a hard team to watch at points this season uh, because they just have a lot of guys that don't necessarily put out the defensive effort they need to be putting out. Right, look, 
And I say, I, I really tried to like Jeremy Sohan. I know Spurs fans love Jeremy Sohan, and I'm a diehard Spurs fan. I cannot stand Jeremy Sohan. I, I don't see it. I know that there's highlight plays of him doing well. I know he does stuff well. And I'm not saying that he's the worst player and shouldn't be in the NBA. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that considering him a starter in the NBA at the level he's at right now, he makes way more mistakes than he makes good plays. And the fact that he doesn't hustle and he just gets blown up on defense constantly and he wants to play well when he's on TV, but when he's not on national TV, he doesn't play as well. I just think he's in it more for the the show. But that's just personal opinion. I'm going to trust my Spurs that they know what they're doing and they're going to they're going to do the right thing because they've done it before lots and lots of times. So I'm going to go with them. But Wemby Mania is still I think it's still there. I think people are just kind of hoping uh that they should uh that they're going to get it done. Uh Texter says Madden Round Rock says I think Texas biggest worry is that it should be Bama barely beating Georgia and both SEC teams getting in. Both would have bigger wins, harder schedule. Texas can't complain about that because one of the biggest reasons they are leaving the Big 12, SEC ranks away ahead in Power 5 conferences, so SOS win percentage. I, I get that. I, I personally don't think Bama's going to beat Georgia. I, I agree it would cause a major problem if Bama beat Georgia. And look, if they beat him by 50, it's hard to say that Georgia shouldn't be in the game still as well as they played all season long. I, I just don't see it. Uh, this is a team that needed a fourth and 31 to uh, beat Auburn. And Auburn lost to New Mexico State the week before. So I don't think they're quite on Georgia's level. I think Georgia's been playing out of this world. Uh, Milrow's gotten a lot better. I think Alabama's really good, but I just think Georgia's on another level right now. So I don't think they're going to beat them, but who knows? It is championship week. Anything can happen. Texas just needs to take care of their business. Texas says, Trey Jones needs, needs more minutes. I agree. Trey Jones needs to get in that game. I you know The Sohan experiment was fun, but I, I'm not with it anymore. Put him on the bench. Let him be a team. Let him try and you know earn it back on there. Uh, WB Pirates guy. Once his body fills out, he'll be fine. The, I don't think Wimby's the problem. Wimby's not the problem for me. There is a lot of other guys on that team that are the problem for me, other than Wimby, uh, because they want to just shoot threes. They want to play offense. They don't want to play defense. They don't really seem like Spurs guys in the way that's been built before. Wimby is trying to play both ways. He will get better. He's not an MVP. He's still in the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation for sure. But, yeah, he, he, he'll he get better and better. I don't put the Spurs' problems on him. I put the problems on him that, you know, when he's not out in the game, they do not look like a team anymore. If him and Vassell are both out, it's it's really bad because everybody then wants to be the star and they don't want to play any defense. Uh, I think it's proven the NBA lottery gods love the Spurs. Let Wimby get his legs this year. Don't bankrupt the future of a team of bad signing or made up of just, uh, desperation. I agree with you. I think the one that you would look at is if the Bulls, Zach Levine, if, if Coach Pop likes Zach Levine and wants to bring in a guard like that and and you know see who we can bring in from the Bulls, that's something that's curious right now. It depends on who else is available uh, is what you'd have to see there. All right, I want to play this audio before we get out of here uh, from Mike Craven talking to E and Robbie this morning on Hook Em Up. With that in mind, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, doing an incredible job of covering college football, coast, uh, you know, border to border here in the great state, top to bottom. He's all over it. He's our man, Mike Craven. He's also my co-host on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, which we will have out tomorrow. We'll record our newest episode coming up today. Uh, what's up, Mr. Craven? Uh, nothing much. Uh, nobody got fired between the time I went to bed last night and the time I woke up, so it was pretty good. 
Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you, you've had a busy couple of days. I mean, you knew this was coming with the carousel, and uh, you were in Waco yesterday, you told me. Then you had to travel down to College Station, which isn't that far of a drive, to cover the Mike Elko press conference. Let me start with uh, what you learned in, in Waco, and then we'll get to the Aggies and the Longhorns in the championship game. But uh, what did you make of, uh, of, De- of what's going on in Waco? Dave Aranda will stay, 3-9 and nine campaign, but uh, massive change is coming to how they run the operation, it feels like. Yeah, I think he's going to go back to being defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, where he's calling the plays, where he's coaching the schemes, where he's in those meetings all of the time. And they're going to look for an offensive coordinator with an explosive offense, but also one that's had some head coaching experience. Um, you know, and this isn't a unique thing. There's plenty of colleges around the country where there's basically a head coach for the offense and a head coach for the defense. It feels like they're going to go that way. And, a, and another big part of it is they're going to get into NIL a little bit more. Baylor. You know, a small Christian university, I, I don't think that they wanted to get into the waters of NIL too much. But you look around, even in the Big 12 without Texas, without Texas, uh, without Oklahoma, there's still plenty of, of places in there spending a decent amount of money on players. And if Baylor wants to keep up, they're going to have to get into that pool. I think they realize that. So those are the changes that we're going to see in Waco. All right, so uh, we'll watch for names uh, of a dynamic offensive coordinator with uh, head coaching experience. That's a, and, uh, and the, the, there those guys are out there for sure. But uh, Dave Aranda, uh, Mac Rhodes, the AD there, you still you know, feel like they're they're confident in, in Dave Aranda. He won a Big Twelve championship in his second year, but uh, uh, you know a, a fall without Matt, you know without Matt Rule's players and Joey McGuire moving on um, to, to 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 Texas Tech and take a lot of that recruiting staff. There's still confidence in Aranda in Waco. I think so. And, you know, you talk to Dave, he's a, you know, you like him. You, you want to like him. You want him to succeed. And, and I think, you know, watching what happened with Dana Holgerson at Houston versus what happened with Dave Veranda at Baylor is likability and the, the ability of, of bosses to go, well, I like this guy coming to work. I like working with this guy. I want him to do better. Let's see if he can have one more year. Another part of it's the money. You know, I think A&M buying out Jimbo for $76 million warps our brain into thinking that's not a ton of money and all of these colleges have $20, $30, $40 million laying around um, to go buy out a coach. You know, Dave Aranda's at a private school, so we don't know the exact number, but I'm told it's around $20 million. They just finished their their development center or finishing up their their player development center. They just built a new basketball arena. Um, They finished an indoor practice facility. Like They've done a lot right in the last year or so at Baylor, and I just don't think their fan, but their donor base was up to, hey, let's get another $20 million raised and then another $10 million for the next coaching search. I think they're going to try to get Aranda back in his comfort zone of being the defensive coordinator, try to bring in a guy who's been a head coach to run the offense, and then they're going to reassess after the 2024 season and see where Baylor's at. Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football senior writer, uh, went from Waco where he got that news. Dave, Dave Aranda still liked by his bosses. Safe to say at Aggieland, Jimbo Fisher wasn't very liked by a lot of people. Um, and that's where the $80 million buyout comes. And now the move to Mike Elko. Uh, just your thoughts, Mike. Obviously, we all heard and saw the reports that Mark Stoops was the choice and maybe flew to College Station and was told to go back because of fan and you know, you know, regent and booster backlash at the hire. And now Mike Elko is in. Uh, what was the scene there yesterday? Uncomfortable? Uh, what, what, what was your read of what went on over the weekend and what was announced yesterday? No, I mean, I, I think everything was fine, and they, they were having a good time yesterday. I mean, uh, General Welsh, who's their interim president, probably going to become the president at, at Texas A&M shortly, kind of made a joke at the very beginning, kind of saying the quiet part out loud. And he goes, turns out hiring a big-time college football coach is hard. 
Um, and it can be, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes into this thing. There's a lot of opinions in the room. I think we try to we, – we act like Steve Sarkeesian was the one and only choice for Texas and everybody that was in that room bet on Steve Sarkeesian. That's not how it goes, right? Like there's differing of opinions. There's 10 or 15 – power brokers making these decisions and they're not all going to agree and also they're all used to being told yes like not many of them are used to being told no like they get what they want all of the time and so uh i think with a&m they still have a problem with leaks right i mean that all that stuff kind of goes on i think in a lot of coaching searches but we don't ever hear about it the fact that we heard about it is probably a bad sign uh, but mike elko checks every single box that they wanted you know they looked around at the sec and they see Nick Saban and Kirby Smart as the two top dogs. Well, those guys are defensive coaches. And so I think they wanted to go back to their roots, get a defensive coach. When Mike Elko was at A&M, they were 34-12 under Jimbo Fisher. When he wasn't there, they were 12-12 and under Jimbo Fisher. I think they see Elko as, like, the glue guy, as the program guy, as the blue-collar uh, dude. And I think with Texas coming into the conference, that's the uh, mentality and that, that's the perception uh, that they want there at A&M. So I think it was a good hire. I just think the way that they got to the hire makes it look like maybe it wasn't as good of a hire. That's an interesting one. As usually you do, Mike, you put it in great perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, people with opinions. And, uh, you know, if the, if the Stoop stuff doesn't get leaked, you know, maybe he was just flying in for an interview to finalize, but somebody wanted that out. And it uh, really led to the backlash, which led to Mike Elko, which may in the end uh, be the right hire anyhow. Pretty clear for Mike Elko that uh, he can coach defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He, he knows most of that locker room, that he'll still has a ton of talent on the defensive side. You know, his his ceiling and his uh, fortune there is going to be predicated on the staff he hires and the offensive coordinator he hires from this point. Yeah, no doubt. And it'll be interesting to see if he brings in Johns from Duke, who's a, who's a good young offensive coordinator that a lot of people like, or if he goes outside, I mean, he's got a budget. I mean, they, they handed that to Adam's credit. They handed us his contract info as soon as the press conference started. I mean, the whole thing, uh, his six year, you know, $7 million base salary, what the incentives were, he, he can make up to $10.5 million. And then the other part was the assistant salary pool. He has an $11 million assistant salary pool. And so he's going to be able to go get whatever offensive coordinator he wants probably, or at least most of them. And so it'll be interesting if he stays uh, with guys he knows or if he goes out and gets kind of a big-name splash OC uh, to lead this thing. Uh, and then you're right about the familiarity. He talked about how – it's rare for your first team meeting for you to know half the roster. And I think that's one of the reasons that he was hired. 2024 is a big year for a and They had a 12-year start on Texas. They're now in the same conference. They're hosting that game on November 30th. They don't want to get embarrassed. And to have a guy come in and to keep most of that roster intact gives them the best chance to compete with Texas and compete in the SEC in 2024. I think that was a big part of why he was, uh, why he was hired as well. Yeah, well said. Uh, what about uh, Ross Bjork? I mean, is there some? I mean, there's some talk that uh, wasn't his guy and got got overruled. And um, you know, what's your thought on Ross Bjork and his standing now at the top of the uh, the athletic department there at A&M? Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. You know, they've had a lot of turnover. Ross talked about how he's had four different presidents in four and a half years there at at AD. I do think it's one of those things at A&M that without that sure fire, like condensed leadership at the top. It's allowed a lot of other parties to become pseudo leaders, like a lot of uh, factions within that back room there at A&M because they haven't had just a consistent president um, to be the guy or the gal there um, to be the boss. And so 
I don't think he has as much power as a lot of athletic directors, and I do think that some of the Mark Stoop stuff goes back on Ross, and I think some of the contract of Jimbo goes back on Ross, right? And so uh, this is a big hire for him. Elko needs to work out. If Elko doesn't work out quickly, I'd imagine he's on that block as well. Uh, there's Mike Craven, senior writer, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Before we talk some Texas and Oklahoma State and your thoughts on what's coming Saturday, um, the, your alma mater, UTSA, Jeff Trailer, he was a candidate at A&M and interviewed for that job. Uh, Houston has come open with Dana Holgerson after a 4-8 and eight season being relieved. Uh, is he the natural choice there? We talked about Gary Patterson as well. I know you've written some stories on top candidates you're hearing out of the U of H. Yeah, I mean, I think UTSA may have dodged a bullet here. Without Arkansas opening up, without Baylor opening up, A&M going more national, uh, Jeff Trailer may be the head coach of UTSA in 2024, and that's something that I don't think I would have predicted about a month ago just because I thought some more jobs were going to open. Houston's going to be interesting because Houston doesn't have as much money as a lot of the programs in the Big 12. And so I think Trailer's choice right now is, do you stay at UTSA and try to win the American and maybe get into the playoffs a couple of times out of every five years? Or do you go to Houston and where you're going to have to be under-resourced and catching up to the rest of the Big 12 and maybe 8-4, and 9-3 and three is going to get you fired, where 8-4, and 9-3 at UTSA may not be celebrated, but it'll keep you going. And so uh, I think UTSA is going to be okay there on the Houston search, although you never know what's going to happen with coaching carousel stuff. If I'm Houston, my first call is Willie Fritz at, at Tulane. He was at Sam Houston. He knows the area. Uh, he knows East Texas. At Tulane, you're recruiting Houston a lot. He's just a ball coach. Like, the dude's won at, like, four or five different college levels. And so he would be my first call. I would absolutely call Jeff Trailer, But they'd be silly not to just kick the tires on Gary Patterson. I mean, he led TCU into the Big 12. He's kind of done that whole not having as much resources as everybody you're playing. And he loves that. He relishes that uh, kind of work. He wants to get back into coaching. And so I imagine he gets an interview. He gets some feelers out there and see – uh, how interested he is and if they could afford him and, and what he thinks about NIL and the transfer portal. Because that's kind of the thing with some of these older coaches, right? You just want to know how they feel about modern football and if they're going to adapt to it. Because you're not going to general four-star general your way to wins anymore. You need to be more of a player coach than Gary was. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets back into it, kind of how he's changed as a as a leader. Yeah, and you kind of feel, I argued this yesterday, Mike, that uh, if you get Gary Patterson, it's, it's his last job, right? I mean, he's going to stick and stay there and help build that program like he did TCU with a fertile recruiting base uh, if he's willing to go, <coughs> excuse me, and play in the NIL space. But at the same time, you hire Willie Fritz, and he you know, kills it at Houston, you know, be another stepping stone spot for him because he's on the rise as is. Um, but uh, we'll be interesting because I think Gary Patterson you know, could be there 10 more years and be your coach for, for quite a while. Trailer and Fritz, you know, might be a shorter-term situation for Houston. Uh, either way, great stuff from Mike Craven. Mike, you were at the game on Friday when Texas demolished uh, Texas Tech 57-7. to As we told folks, you grew up going, to, you know, you pretty much grew up in the Texas Athletic Department. Your, your grandfather was the longtime team doctor there, Dr. Craven. Um, and so you've been to a lot of football games there. I've heard from a lot of people that that was as good a game experience and game electricity that maybe we've ever seen at DKR. What was your read on the uh, the game, and, and then and then what what would you, what you experienced in the building? Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with that. I had gone to the Kansas game earlier in the year, but it was during the day. Like there's just with the drones and the light show and the LED and everything. Like I that was amazing that that was the Friday after Thanksgiving. Like I've probably gone to. 150 Texas games in my life, and that's got to be top five uh, experience that I've ever seen. What Del Conte and that group has done behind the scenes with Bevo Boulevard and you know having Bob Schneider at Texas City Limits, like 
it was a packed house. I remember when Matt got there and, you know, the whole come early, be loud, stay late thing. That was a plea. That was like, please, please do that because y'all don't do that. Please come early, stay loud, be loud. And, and now you don't have to have that rallying cry anymore. And I think Texas is SEC ready on the football field. And after what I saw Friday against Texas Tech, they're SEC ready in the stands. And that's going to be a big part of, of the success over the next year or two. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, that uh, that was the vision. CDC said when he got here, and people were told, well, why are you doing all this when the team's no good? Let's get the team good. He was like, no, my job is to make the experience a great one. We want to look like Austin. We want to be like Austin. We want it to be a celebration of Texas football. And then it's Sark's job to coach the team. And uh, he's done a heck of a job of building the roster. And now it's really come together. And I think that Friday night was kind of a culmination of both of those visions. And, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, signing post for where it's headed. Big picture. What about the game Saturday? Now, Longhorns are a two-touchdown favorite. Oklahoma State has gone 7-1 in their last eight. Not always pretty, but uh, Mike Gundy can flat coach. What's your, your level of concern for the Longhorns on Saturday to get a championship? Yeah, I wasn't that concerned about Texas Tech because it felt like the thing Texas Tech did the best was the thing Texas was best at stopping, and I feel like this Oklahoma State game is essentially the same thing. Ollie Gordon's great. I've been watching Ollie Gordon play football for three or four years. He was awesome in the DFW area at South Grand Prairie. I was actually watching an Ollie Gordon playoff game against Allen when Sark's news got announced that he was going to be the Texas coach. That was that year the playoffs went into the following calendar year because of COVID. He's awesome. Uh, but Texas is incredible on the defensive line front. I mean, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, you're not going to run against those guys successfully. Like, if, if your key to victory is running through T- Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, you ain't winning. And I just don't see how Oklahoma State passes the ball enough to outscore Texas without the run game. Mike Gundy said in his press conference, in his career, he hadn't been very good when he's one-dimensional. and They're going to have to figure out a way to run the football I, I know Tech was able to put up some numbers, but at no point during that game were they controlling it with the run game. If Texas gets a lead like they did uh, against Oklahoma State like they did against Tech, I just don't see the Cowboys built in a way to really push Texas. I think this was a better matchup than, say, a rematch with Oklahoma or another team with maybe a more uh, passing-centric identity. Uh, they, they match Styles make fights, and this style matches up really well for Texas. Yeah, that's uh, well said. And, I, you know, had I been Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel and, uh, you know, the ability to run and play that spread veer and really get after Texas, which they did in the Cotton Bowl, uh, you'd be a little more concerned. But at the same time, it's Mike Gundy, 7-3 and three in the last 10 against Texas. And, um, you know, he's has something up his sleeve. So we look forward to that game. Mike, real quick, while you were at the game and you talk about top five experience, what about when Arch Manning came in the game? That was pretty surreal. You know, this is a third-string quarterback, only came in because Malik Murphy got run into on the sidelines on a kickoff and uh, banged up his shoulders. So Arch is in the game. That was – I mean, what a hero's welcome he received. That was pretty cool. Yeah, to take everybody behind the curtain, when a game is a blowout like that, all of us up in the press box are writing our stories. Like We're getting a head start. We're writing our stories. So most of our heads were down looking at our computer, and then all of a sudden the crowd went crazy as if something – I didn't know if McConaughey had taken his shirt off or what was going on. Like the crowd (laughs) was going insane. And you look up and you see Arches out there, and we all stop writing our story, right? We just watch the rest of the game because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just like such a, a thing we've all thought about for so long and written so many words about uh, that you just went there and you watched it. It was, it was awesome to see the crowd stick around and then the crowd have that type of reaction. And, and you just you get reminded what the Manning name and what the lore and the, the pressure that that kid must be under. 
Um, it was it was something. It was something to see a game be a blowout and then a kid who you've never seen play before at the college level come out and then captivate the entire stadium and the entire press box. Uh, it's just something about that last name. Yeah, and you, you said it. You guys had your head down. Fans were leaving, and all of a sudden, Arch is in. Everybody came back, and the place was right. packed uh, all the way until the end, which really you know, culminated a great night for Texas and see if they can finish it off with a great game Saturday. Thank you, Mike. I'll see you later, and uh, we'll be recording the Eyes on Texas uh, podcast for our episode this week. Uh, a lot of the same conversation, but even deeper dives. Uh, we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks a lot. All right, talk to you later. All right, there's Mike Craven. Uh, good stuff on all things Texas A&M, Baylor, Texas. Uh, likes the Longhorn. Styles make fights, and this one does seem to fit Texas, much like Texas Tech. Good stuff from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie and Mike Craven there. We're going to take our last break. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 101.9 and 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. All right, we ran out of time. We'll get back to it tomorrow, talk more Texas, Oklahoma State. We'll talk more about the college football playoff rankings. Texas is still at number seven. And give it to more of your techs. Of course, always appreciate all you guys playing along on the text line. We'll get back to it tomorrow. Until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow, 5 p.m. on the Sports Complex.